The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So what I'd like to talk about this morning is spiritual materialism. Do you all know that term? No? Oh, good. <laughs> um, back in, I think it was the 70s, um, Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche wrote this book, Cutting Through Spiritual Materialism. And in Jack's book, The Buddha's Still Teaching, there's uh, a section. So we generally think of materialism in this culture as gathering things, right? Um, you know that saying, who, who dies with the most toys wins? <laughs> Spiritual materialism is a gathering, a collecting, but instead of things, it's spiritual information or knowledge or spiritual experiences, which the ego then co-ops. The ego, you know, with its craftiness, <laughs> grabs on and uses that information or that experience to puff itself up. Oh, look at me, you know, I'm so spiritual, or I'm so virtuous, or I'm so pious. And, uh, and you know, tries to make us believe that we really are so spiritual. But sometimes the teaching, the, our practice, comes in conflict with our actual way of life or our actions. And we don't really want to change. You know, we can have an intention to be spiritual, to be generous, to be kind, all those qualities that we want to develop. But sometimes underneath, there's a stronger desire or intention not to have to change. This is all very well, as long as I don't have to change anything, as long as I don't have to give up anything. So he says sometimes teachers will talk about renouncing the ego. And so we can adopt that and talk about letting go of the ego, giving up the ego, etc., etc. But in actual fact, we don't really do it. We're all talk, so to speak. You know that saying... Um, he who doesn't know speaks. <laughs> he who speaks doesn't know. Uh, he who knows doesn't speak. Yeah. Um, so when something comes in conflict with the teachings, the ego is very good at turning it around or reinterpreting it, reframing, we say, something to make it okay so that we don't really have to change and we don't have to feel bad about ourselves. So the conflict, you know, goes away because the ego has successfully been able to turn whatever it was around 
um, so that that conflict isn't there. So an example that comes to my mind, a rather you know, obvious or dramatic one, is, say, war. You know, throughout the teachings, right, uh, it's all about ahimsa, not harming, not nonviolence. The first uh, precept, not taking life. And the Buddha was very clear in many ways uh, about not taking life in any form, in any way. He did say that self-defense was okay as long as there was no ill will. So protecting ourselves, you know, deflecting maybe is okay, but not, not aggression. But how often do people, are people able to, you know, tweak that a bit, turn that around and make war okay? It's all right to fight the war because, you know, that nation is threatening us. And so it's okay to prophylactically or preemptively um, attack that nation because they might attack us. And we feel justified, you know, we feel it's okay. It seems to me it's pretty clear that that's not what the Buddha was talking about. That's not the Buddha's teachings. Or another way might be um, in our professional life, in our livelihood. Sometimes uh, it could either be that the livelihood we have chosen is not really in alignment with the Buddha's teachings. Or it might be that the way we do our job, our profession, is not in alignment. So we may come to IMC two or three times a week and meditate and listen and, you know, really take on the teachings. But then we go to our job and we lie and we take what's not offered. And and we may think that in the context of our work, that's perfectly okay. You know, there's the story of a lawyer many years ago that asked Jack Cornfield, um, how, how can I, in my profession, it's important to lie. How can I be a lawyer and follow the Buddhist teachings? And Jack said, you can't. <laughs> It's not okay. It's not okay to lie. So you're going to have to find a different way of doing your profession. But you see, the ego can co-opt that, can turn that around and say, well, yes, of course, the Buddha says don't lie. I, I agree, that's great. But, you know, in my profession, or like there's so much on the political scene these days, right? And, and candidates... Our president will say, but I have to run negative ads. I won't get elected without it. So you see how easy it is to twist that around. Um, So Trungpa says, the main point of any spiritual practice is to step out of the bureaucracy of ego. I like that phrase, the bureaucracy of ego. Step out of the ego being in control, the ego being in charge. Stepping out of 
ego's constant desire for a higher, more spiritual, more transcendental version of knowledge, religion, virtue, judgment, comfort, or whatever it is that our particular ego is seeking. So the ego can be seeking um, any number of things, and it's our job to see that and step out of that. He also says, Our vast collections of knowledge and experience are just part of ego's display, part of the grandiose quality of ego. We display them in the world, and in so doing, reassure ourselves that we exist, safe and secure as spiritual people. So we have the desire to be spiritual, as long as it doesn't interfere with our lives. (laughs) So our job becomes unmasking, deconstructing, peeling away the layers of the ego and all its many identities so that we get to the core. He says, Trungpa says, we must be willing to stand alone and that can be very difficult. It's true, isn't it? The Buddha taught us that ultimately we have to put these practices into effect and see for ourselves. We have to take responsibility. We have to take the teachings and make them our own. We have to work with them, struggle with them, chew on them, and not just swallow them and then regurgitate or spit them back out. As some very um, fundamentalist uh, traditions will do. And actually, I was quite good at when I was very young. I got lots of A's in school because I was very good at just taking it in and spitting it out. And when I was young, I remember being so annoyed by the teachings of Christ. I had no idea about the teachings of the Buddha at that time, but um, who taught in parables. And I remember being so frustrated and saying, just tell us, just tell us what you want us to do so I can do it. I know how to do that. Now, fortunately, many, many years later, I appreciate the individual struggle, the, um, the fact that, that I can't just take something in and swallow it. I have to make it my own. I have to see it clearly and really understand it and put it into practice. So the spiritual path in that way is a very individual path and can be lonely. But the rewards, of course, are worth it, are so much greater. So Jack says, the spiritual path is uncovering our awakened state of mind. So when we peel off all the layers, all the confusion that the ego has built up, all its numerous identities and whatever it clings to, we get to the awakened 
state of mind that is there. So he says, you know, it's important to recognize we don't create awakening. We don't produce it. Because if we did, then it would dissolve, it would pass away, just like anything that is created, anything that is born will die. So anything that is created will pass away. But the awakened mind is permanent. It doesn't pass away. It's not created by us. It is there. And we uncover it. We discover it. Isn't that hopeful? Isn't that wonderful? That we don't have to produce it. <laughs> we don't have to gather all this, all these experiences. It is there. What we have to do is uncover it. Peel away the confusion, the doubt, the fetters, the hindrances, whatever we want to call them, that are in the way. And there it is, shining bright. It makes me think of... of In Zen, it's said, we sit to express our awakeness, to express our enlightenment. And I think that that says it. The the recognition that the awakeness is there, the enlightened mind is there. And what we do is clear away what gets in the way of our seeing, of our experiencing So hopefully that's some food for thought. (laughs) Thank you.